Thank you, Ms. Catherine, for reminding us how great our God is. Our choir is going to minister to us now. Beautiful song. And I heard they were singing this when I caught myself singing it throughout the week. Uh, you'll recognize the words and uh, they're a real blessing. You pray for them as they sing.
Matthew Choir, Acts chapter 2 in your Bible, and while you're finding that, I want you to see if you can finish uh, some famous advertising slogans. Okay, so feel free to finish these out loud and and see if you recognize these, and we'll see uh, how well the advertisers did, I guess. See if you know this one. Melts in your mouth. Not in your hands. Not in your hands. M&M's. Reach out and AT&T. All right. Where's the <laughs> Wendy's? All right. This one's tough. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Some people just dated themselves with Alka-Seltzer. Some of the kids are going, what's an Alka-Seltzer? How about this one? Finger-licking KFC. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Some of the ladies got that one. How about this one? Nothing runs like a... John Deere. We'll send the bill to Martin Brothers for that every time. Can you hear me now, Verizon? How about this one? You're in good hands with Allstate. How about this one? Please don't squeeze the Charmin. One more. Membership has its privileges. American Express. I want you to think about that last one for a moment. American Express's slogan. Membership has its privileges. Except for a brief interruption, membership has its privileges, was American Express's slogan from 1987 to 1996. Well, to be quite honest with you, today's message has nothing to do with advertising and it has nothing to do with credit cards or American Express. But I do want to show you that when it comes to the local church, membership has its privileges. There are good biblical, practical reasons why a Christian should be a member of a local church. And we'll get to those in just a little bit. Now, today is part two of a message that we had uh, actually two weeks ago now called What is the Church? Now, don't worry if you weren't here for that part one. We'll quickly bring you back up to speed. But here in Acts chapter two, we find the birth of the church. And last time we talked about the fact that in the Bible, the church is talked of in two senses. There's the universal church. That is the body of Christ. All believers everywhere make up the church, the body of Christ. And then there's the local church, which is a local assembly of believers like we have here. Now, interestingly enough, the majority of times when the Bible talks about the church is talking about the local church. Is talking about a church like we have here. And that's where we're going to focus our attention today upon the local church. Now, Peter's preaching here on the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. If you'll find in Acts chapter 2, we want to begin reading at verse 40, these words. Acts chapter 2, you're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 2, and we'll begin reading at verse 40. The Bible says, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship 
and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all those who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, last time we talked about very simply this this thought, and that is the local church. The church is made up of believers. Look again there in Acts chapter two, verse 40. Peter preaching says, be saved from this perverse generation. Then it says in verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about three thousand souls were added to them in order to be a member of the church. You must be saved. We believe in regenerate church membership. That is, church membership is for those who are saved and only for those. Now, that is not to say if you're not a believer in Christ, if you're not a Christ follower today, that is not to say you're not welcome here. You are welcome here. We're glad that you're here. We work at getting you here. We want to invite you. We want you to come in and hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be honest with you. I'll be blunt with you today. Our prayer is that anyone who walks through the doors, who does not know Jesus Christ, will hear the gospel, recognize their need of Christ, and trust him as their Lord and Savior. And that is our prayer. That is our heart. But when it comes to being an official member of the church, that is reserved for believers. Those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another prerequisite for church membership. I hope you saw the text. Notice what it says in verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word, that is, they believed. The next part says, were baptized. They were baptized. Which brings us to our second thought today, and that is this. The church is made up of believers who are baptized. Now, the question is, what is baptism? Why is it? We did it just the other week. Why is it that we take people and put them up in a baptismal pool and we uh, lower them in the water and we bring them up out of the water? What is that all about? Listen to how our doctrinal statement says it. Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now listen, it is an act of obedience, symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior. The believer's death to sin, and the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. Listen, it is a testimony to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. Being a church ordinance, it is a prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and to the Lord's Supper. Now, hear me. Baptism saves no one. I can take you in the baptismal pool today as a lost sinner and you'll go in as a dry lost sinner and you'll come out as a wet lost sinner. Baptism saves no one. It doesn't wash away your sin. You've been in church. You know it washed away your sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. But you see, baptism is the first step of obedience. Jesus says, I want you to follow me in baptism. He set the example. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail today. I did preach a message some time ago. You can get a copy of it. Why should I be baptized? And we go into great detail. 
about what baptism is and what it means and what it symbolizes. What I want you to see, though, is before you become a member of a local church, you must follow the Lord in believers. Baptism It's a step of obedience and it's for believers only those who trusted Jesus. So we know the church is made up of believers. The church is made up of believers who have been baptized. But there's something else when it comes to the church. Our doctrinal statement said it this way. The church is made up of baptized believers. Listen, associated by covenant in faith and fellowship of the gospel. In other words, there's some organization of this organism. You know, it's a living body. And it's some organization to it. Uh, We have covenant together. We have agreed together. So the third thing we want to think about today is this. The church is made up of believers who are baptized and have covenanted together. We've agreed together mutually, voluntarily. We have come together under the lordship of Christ. Now, I want you to notice the togetherness in this passage over and over again. Notice verse 41. At the end, it says about 3,000 souls were added to them. Notice verse 42. They continued steadfastly. Notice verse 44. All who believed were together. Verse 46. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Verse 47, the end. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They were together. They were joined together. By the way, we know that's the case when we are saved. We're born into the body of Christ, the universal church. But God also wants us to have a home in a local church. Now, listen, the Bible knows nothing of a churchless Christianity. The Bible knows nothing of a churchless Christianity. Don't misunderstand. Going to church saves no one. It saves no one. Just like walking into a garage doesn't make you a car. Or walking into a, a kitchen doesn't make you a biscuit. Walking into a church. Walking, now, you walk in the kitchen enough, you might look like a biscuit. But listen, going to church saves no one. Saves no one. But listen, if you're saved, you'll want to go to church. You, you'll want to be with God's people. You'll want to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ for worship and fellowship and ministry. It just makes good common sense, doesn't it? If you're a child of God, you want to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I've got some startling news for some. If you're miserable in church, imagine how you're going to feel in heaven. You don't get out at noontime. It goes on and on and on. Worshiping him. I've got in my pocket here, if you can see that back there, a little Lego. We have thousands of these at our house. You ever stepped on a Lego? You have? It's like a landmine goes off. You step. Woo! My boys love Legos. And, uh, There's some great things you can do with Legos and building things. But one thing I know about Legos is they're meant to be with other Legos. Can you imagine if you on Christmas morning, your child asked for Legos and you gave them one Lego? That'd be cruel, wouldn't it? There you go, Johnny. There you go, Susie. Enjoy. 
What can you do if one Lego? See, Legos are meant to be of other Legos. So I got some help from Gideon. And I said, could you help me get ready for Sunday? And you see, Legos are meant to be with other Legos. They're meant to go together. Just like, listen, Christians are meant to be with other Christians. We're meant to be together. You see, we covenant together as a local body of believers. And just like the Legos go together, we believers go together. We've covenanted together. We've agreed to, to worship and fellowship and do all these things together. Now, one of the things we ask of new members, in fact, what we require of new members, is that they review and they affirm our church covenant. Now, you have a copy of it on your guide there, and I want us to read it today. And I want you to see what it is that we've covenanted together to do here at Red Hill Baptist Church. If you'll get that, I want us to read it out loud in unison. And we'll do our best to stay together. And we'll recognize the commas and the periods and do our best to stay in unison as we read it. But this is what, if you're a member of Red Hill Baptist Church, or if you're considering becoming a member, this is what we have agreed to do. To be together and accomplish these things. Do you have it? Are you ready to read it together out loud? All right, let's do it. Having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We do now, in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of the church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort. To promote its prosperity and spirituality. To sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. To contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We also engage to maintain family and private devotions. To religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, to abstain from the promotion and or abuse of impairing substances, and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love and express our concerns and disagreements in peace and harmony, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy and speech. To be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. 
We moreover engage that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Amen. I tell you what, I'm glad to be a part of of a place like that. I'm glad to be a part of a church like that, that we covenant together. We've agreed to do this together. See, God wants us in a local church. He wants us to join together to do the Christian life together. Let me ask you this morning, very, very plainly, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? Do you realize there's a time, is, is there a time in your life where you realized you were a sinner, you were lost, you were undone, you could not save yourself. You repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. If you say yes to that, then I want to ask you the next step. Have you followed the Lord in believers' baptism? If not, why not? Why do you not obey the Lord? And if you're saved and baptized, are you a member of a local Bible-believing church? If not, why not? That's where God wants us. Now listen, if this is the church you regularly attend, and I know we may have some guests here today, but if this is your regular church, this is where you attend, this is where you consider your church home. If you're saved, You should take the next step in baptism if you haven't already. If you've done that, you should take the next step in following the Lord and joining us here to become an official member of Red Hill Baptist Church. You see, some have been here for a very long time, but you've never taken that step to formally become a member. Now, I want to ask answer some questions that come to mind. And that is this. Why should I become a member? Why should I become a member? Why should I join Red Hill Baptist Church? Furthermore, why should I join any local church? But before we answer that, there's some other fundamental questions that must be considered. And that's this. Does the scripture teach that we're to officially join a church? Or is it just some kind of loose fellowship? Is there anything in scripture that shows us that we should join a local church like Red Hill Baptist Church? Yes. And I want to share some of that with you today. Much of the following is gleaned from Donald S. Whitney's wonderful book, Spiritual Disciplines Within the Church. But I want you to hear here uh, this now. Scripture indicates church membership in New Testament times. You say, well, how do we know that, preacher? Well, jot down a few notes here if you want. First of all, the instructions given in the Bible for church discipline. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. You and your brother have a falling out of disagreement. The Bible says there's some steps you're to take. You're to go to that person personally. You're to try to reconcile with them. If that doesn't work, you're to take with you a witness or some witnesses and try to make things right. And then it says that they still will not hear you. They still will not. You can't reconcile this thing. It says next to take it to the church. Now, that obviously means there must have been a church that had members. If you're going to take someone to the church. Acts chapter 5 is the story of Ananias and Sapphira, a very sad story where they decide to lie about some property they had and the money that they gave. And and both of them fell dead there. But I want you to hear what it says in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 13. The Bible says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now listen to verse 13. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Whitney says that word join there means literally to glue or cement together, to unite, 
to join firmly. It's not just a loose fellowship. It was being a part of that local assembly of believers. First Corinthians 14, 23 talks about the whole church. It refers to a verifiable membership. Listen to what first Corinthians 14, 23 says. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? The whole church comes together. They're members of the church. Furthermore, the instructions in the Bible for pastoral oversight and spiritual leadership that necessitates that implies that there are members that those pastors are caring for. There are those who they're leading. There are those that they're shepherding and caring for. Furthermore, the biblical metaphors for the church that they imply a membership. Why? Because if we're the flock of God, flock is not a random bunch of people all over the place. You have a flock. This is the flock of God. The body of Christ, a body is not random. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad your ears not at home and your, your legs over at work? You're all together. It implies membership. So over and over and over again, these and some others we could talk about. We could talk about caring for widows and, and on and on. It implies and shows us. The New Testament sees and teaches and they practice church membership in a local setting. It's clear. So then the next question is, why should I join a local church? Why should I join Red Hill Baptist Church or any other local church? Well, we know that it's applied. It's shown in the Bible. We know it's God's desire. That should be enough. But let me give you some more practical things of why you should join. These are from Whitney as well. First of all, you prove that you're not ashamed to identify with Christ and his people. You're not ashamed to identify with Christ and his people. You're not ashamed to be known as a Christ follower, a Christian. You're not ashamed to be known as one of those people that they go over there to Red Hill Baptist Church. You're not ashamed of that. Furthermore, you stop being an independent Christian. You see, we need accountability. We need help. We need encouragement. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. Furthermore, you have a greater opportunity to use your spiritual gifts. Listen to this verse. First Corinthians twelve seven. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're saved, you have at least one spiritual gift. You may have more than one. Well, God wants you to use your spiritual gift not to build up yourself and be somebody. God wants you to serve the body. God wants you to use your spiritual gift among his people. Furthermore, we openly demonstrate the reality of the body of Christ. You see, we talk about the universal church, the body of Christ, all believers everywhere. We, we call it church big C. Sometimes it's also called the invisible church. Why? Because we can't see all the body of everybody everywhere that know Christ. Where is the body of Christ seen visibly? It's seen in the local church. It's seen as you and I are the hands and the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we carry out his work. People should look here on this hill and see the body of Christ. Loving him, serving him and loving others and serving others. Furthermore, you participate in a more balanced ministry. Listen to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, 
some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? The next part says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. See, one of my jobs as pastor is to equip you all to do ministry. Some people think, well, the pastor's the only one that does the ministry. No, I do ministry and you do ministry. And I help you do ministry and you help me do ministry. And we're balanced. We're using our spiritual gifts together. A couple more. You also encourage new believers to commit to the local church. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another as so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we want to see people saved and we want to see them discipled. The Great Commission is not just about evangelism. It's about discipleship. Those two things go hand in hand. Making disciples. So we see somebody saved. We want to see them come into the body of Christ where they're built up, edified and discipled to be mature disciples of Christ. And and another practical one. You encourage a ministry when you consider it faithful and you join it. There's just something about it when you say, you know what? God has led me here. God has placed me here as a member I joined my brothers and sisters in Christ, and together we encourage one another. It's an encouragement. It strengthens the body when you are a vital part. For instance, suppose John loves Mary. I mean, he's been dating Mary for ten years. I mean, steady. And every time that they're together, John tells Mary how much he loves her, how much he thinks of her, but he never proposes to Mary. Finally, one day, Mary's waited long enough. And she gets up the courage to say to John these words. John, why haven't you wanted to marry me? And suppose John looks at her and says these words. I'm just trying to make sure. How do you think Mary's going to feel? But how many Christians go to a church year after year after year after year, but they never join the church. They never become a part of the church officially. In the words of Pastor Joshua Harris, stop dating the church. Stop dating it. Make that step and say, listen. I believe this is where God has placed me. I believe it's biblical. I believe what you're doing is right. And I want to be a part of it. You see, because if you can't do that here, you need to find some place where you can do that. Because God wants you in the body. God wants you to join. And we want you here. We love to have you here. It's time to make a commitment to the local church. See, I told you, membership has its privileges. It's a privilege to be a part of the body of Christ. I know I'm not alone here. I can come to my brothers and sisters and they will pray for me. They will help me. They will care for me. They will support me. 
I know we, we could take time. We did it the Wednesday night. One of our, our, our members is struggling and we just took some time. One of our members wisely suggested that we just get together and pray for our sister. And we just joined as the body of Christ and we laid hands and we just prayed for her. Listen, that doesn't happen by yourself. That doesn't happen at watching television, uh, watching a preacher on television. That doesn't happen uh, somewhere else reading a book. That happens in a local church. Where Christians said, listen, we're going to covenant together, we're going to get together, and we're going to serve God and do life together in a community of believers. Membership has its privileges. Now, we know what the church is. It's, a, it's an assembly of believers who are baptized and have covenanted together in faith and fellowship of the gospel. But, but where does it leave you today? We know that church matters, but... Do you know how much church membership matters? So where does it leave you, friend? Where does it leave you? Let's get real personal for a moment. Some here today need to be saved. You need to trust Jesus Christ. Will you do that today? Will you be saved? Then after you're saved, would you follow the Lord and believers baptism and church membership? Some here today are already saved. You're, You're headed for heaven. And I'm so thankful for that. But you need to be baptized and obey the Lord and join the church. Will you you pursue that? And then some here today, you're saved. You've already been baptized, but you need to join the church. I wonder, will you do that? Which describes you? Will you respond to the spirit of God? And the word of God today, or will you continue being like a lonely Lego? Or you say, you know what? I want to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to minister to my brothers and sisters, and I want them to minister to me. I want to be a part of what God has done. I want to be a visible manifestation of the body of Christ in a local place. For the glory of God. What is God saying to you? Father. It is with a grateful heart that we bow in your presence. I thank you for the local church. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this local church. Lord, not only as the pastor, but as a member of this flock. Lord, I pray for anybody today. Who is not saved. I pray your Holy Spirit to convict them. Show them their helplessness. Their hopelessness without Christ. But show them. The cross. And the empty tomb. And the Savior who's there with open arms. Ready to welcome them. If they'll turn from their sin. And place their faith in Christ. I pray for believers today who are here. But have never followed the Lord in obedience to be baptized. I pray that you would help them, Lord, to take that step and come today and say, I want to be baptized in obedience to Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for those who need to join the local church. Those who are saved, whether they've been baptized or not or need to be, but those who need to take that next step. And formally, officially, become a member here. 
I pray that you would bring them today with that desire so we could begin that process in their lives. Father, you knew that we needed each other. And you have made us for community. Help it to be real in this place. Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Bless this invitation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn this morning, 294. If you need to be saved, please come meet me here. Say, what are you doing, preacher? I'll put you somebody that loves you. They'll sit down with you and talk to you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you need to be baptized. You're already saved. If you've never been baptized, you come up and know about that today. We'll arrange the time for you to be baptized. If you need to be baptized, you've already been baptized, but you're ready to join the church. Would you come today and express that? And we'll schedule a meeting to sit down and talk about church membership and all that it entails, and we'll arrange a time for you to join the church. That's the invitation today. Be saved, and you can be baptized, and you join the church, maybe all three, maybe one of those three. Would you obey the Lord today in the Spirit of God and come meet me here as we stand and sing 294? Have that on the Lord, would you stand and sing? Amen.